We want to make an impact. We want to make a difference in our world. And sometimes we disallow ourselves, I can't do that. I'm not anointed to go raise the dead, but you could be anointed to make a sweater or buy a sweater or give five minutes worth of your labor. Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week, we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. Well, we have been working on a sermon for a couple of weeks. As you know anymore, it's very, very hard for me to preach a message in one setting, so I I do apologize to you. You have to sometimes kind of endure a message. This one's totally different than the last two weeks, but we've been talking about making an impact. And, you know, I don't think that there's any one of us, I don't think there's really and truly a human being alive that says, I just want to come to this earth and live my life and not make any difference whatsoever. I think all of us would say, I want to I make a mark. I want to I leave, uh, leave a mark somehow, somewhere. Sometimes it's through our children. Sometimes our children are our legacy. Sometimes it's things that we do. Sometimes we think it's the wrong thing. Sometimes we think it's achieving success or doing awesome things in and of ourselves. But really and truly, it comes down to that. We want to leave a lasting legacy, something that goes beyond our lifetime. And and sometimes I think we we kind of get mixed up. I think sometimes we look for the big things. I think sometimes we we want to do the awesome stuff. And and sometimes I think we're sitting around waiting on something that's going to come our way that's going to allow us to leave a mark, a good mark, one that's indelible, one that's forever. And I think sometimes we kind of wait around for that burning bush experience. We want to we want to go up on the mountain and we want to be with God and we want to hear his voice. And sometimes it is in many many different ways. Sometimes it's like with Elijah, it comes in that still small voice. And the Lord tells us to do something. And oftentimes we overlook the small things and in, in waiting for the bigger things. So there's a couple of scriptures I want to share with you. We've been looking at Matthew chapter 5 as far as this whole um, series is gone. And Jesus says this, you are the salt of the earth. Not you're going to be, not I hope you are one day. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out, trampled underfoot, is worthless. You are the light of the world. Again, that's not hoping to be. You are the light of the world. Like a city that's set on a hilltop that cannot be hidden for no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, the lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And again, I think sometimes we, we, we kind of ponder in our minds, I want it to be something huge. Something, as, as uh, our president says, huge. We want it to be huge. And oftentimes we miss out because we're looking for something this big coming down the pike. We, we miss out on the small stuff that we can do every day. Do you realize that we are called to do something every day of our lives that can make an impact in our world? How small? We're going to look at a couple of things. Mark chapter 12, and that's through uh, verse 41. 
I hope, I hope we don't just have the two verses there. Nope, it's all of it. Jesus, this is while he was with his disciples, he sat down near the collection box at the temple and watched as crowds dropped in their money. And many rich people put in large amounts. Now, you would think, at least in our terms, that Jesus would get down to the nuts and bolts of it and show that he was a prophet and he'd start calling off amounts. That person put in this amount and this person put in this. He doesn't do that. Because sometimes we would put the emphasis on who gave the largest amount. But he puts, a, he puts the emphasis in a different place. And it says, then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. And Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who, made, who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she... Poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. That amount, uh, in, in other translations of the Bible, some of them call it a mite, some of them call it a, a, a different coinage. But basically, it was the two of the smallest coins that were available to be had in the Roman Empire. And the equivalent, uh, because, it, it, you know, we can talk about coinage and we can talk about what it was worth then, but basically, it comes down to this. In today's terms, it would be what the average person in that day and time would have made for working five minutes. So take your hourly wage and divide that up by 12 and kind of figure out what, what you would have put in should you give five minutes worth of your pay. But Jesus said, she's given up more than all these. It's not the amount in the overall scheme of things, it's the amount of what you're given of what you had. And this poor woman, in that day and time, if you were a widow, you were up against it. Especially if you had no sons. And so he, what he says is, she's come in and in given that five minutes of the average person's wage, she has given more than all of these. Why? Because she gave everything she had. Small thing, but 2,000 years later, we're talking about it. Small thing that made a huge impact. Small thing that this 2,000 plus years later, we are talking about it and bringing this woman into the forefront. Why? Because she gave everything she had. Another scripture that comes to mind is Acts chapter 9. There was a believer in Joppa. Her name was Tabitha, which in the Greek is Dorcas. I'd go with the other. I'd go with Tabitha because nobody wants to be a Dorcas. All right. There's a reason Tabitha is still around as a name and Dorcas is not. She was doing kind, kind things for others and helping the poor. And you know, the Lord says that there's not much better that we can do than that. And about this time, she became ill and died. And her body was washed for burial and laid in the upstairs room. But the believers had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda. And so they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. And Peter returned with them. And as soon as they arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. And there was a room filled with widows who were weeping. And they showed him their coats and other clothes that Dorcas had made. See, sometimes we think huge is going to be, I'm going to be able to lead some important person to the kingdom. That's, that's a good thing. That's a good, good thing to shoot for. 
Sometimes we think about, well, I want to be a millionaire and I want to give, you know, my 10% to the Lord and, and, and I, want to, I want my name to be put on, on everything. Folks, I've been a part of churches before that, that they wanted a plaque on everything. Given by, in memory of, and all these kinds of things. And you know, <laughs> I, I'm anti where that's concerned. Are you giving it to the Lord? Are you giving it to the kingdom? I understand that they sometimes they want their, their loved one's memory remembered. But folks, if we get so hung up on who gave the communion set and who gave this chair, I, I've been in places where the pews, the pews were dedicated to a family or to a person or whatever, and it, you, you felt like you were sitting in somebody else's seat when you went in there. Uh, here's the deal. Are we giving it to the Lord or are we giving it so that we can be glorified? So here's the thing. Tabitha dies. And so Peter's coming in. He's, he's, he's thinking he's going to raise her from the dead, which is, in my opinion, huge. Okay? And, and you know, I've heard some people say, well, I, you know, I wish God did that in, the, in these days. Hey, I think he still can. I think if he did it back then, he can still do it today. So here's the deal. Who wants to be the one to die? Who wants to be the one that gets struck blind on the road to Damascus? You better pray there's an Ananias, amen, to come lay hands on you. See, sometimes we get hung up. We, we kind of we objectify the Bible. We kind of we slide it off to the side and say, boy, that's, that's what God did way back then. Wow, it'd be awesome to have lived in that day and time. It'd been awesome to, to see these things happen. But here is this one simple story of this woman named Tabitha. And, and, and she, again, 2,000 plus years later, is memorialized in this. Why? Because she made some clothes. They came up and they said, see this sweater? This is what she made for me. Isn't it awesome, Lanny? Good sweater, he said. Just leave me alone, he's saying. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? 2,000 plus years later, that, that sweater was eaten by moths eons ago. But yet it's the memorial to Tabitha. What she did for the Lord. What she did to make an impact in her day, in her time. See, we would think it would be something. We, we actually would put more emphasis on Peter because he's fixing to raise her up from the dead. Peter asked them all to leave the room and then he knelt and he prayed and turned to the body, her dead body, and said, get up, Tabitha. And she opened up her eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up. See, we put more emphasis on that. Wow, that was awesome. But what about Tabitha making clothes for the poor and the widows? We're, we, we talked about it last week. We're going to talk about it next week. We're going to talk about it probably the next week. Not, to, not this sermon. Don't let me freak you out there. Uh, we want to make an impact. We want to make a difference in our world. And sometimes we disallow ourselves. I can't do that. I, 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 I'm not anointed to go raise the dead, but you could be anointed to make a sweater or buy a sweater. 
or give five minutes worth of your labor. Amen? Lisa talked about it last week. There's tons of things that we're going to do this year through Acts of Grace. And they're kind of, they're kind of changing things up. You guys have known them mostly as going out and giving out sandwiches and that kind of stuff. But they're, they're changing things up. And we're, we're wanting to, we went this last Friday and, and helped out the school up here. We're going to go to, they're going to go, head it up and go to the fire station. We're going to try to, try to encourage our fire people. And there's tons of, what else? We're doing the, the, for the, for the orphan children. We're going to do the souls for, for souls. Uh, shoe drive. We're going to do that. Ton, tons and tons and stuff. Get with Lisa. Get with Linda May. And let them tell you about all the things that you can get involved in. Now, all those are not the same thing. See, you can go and buy a pair of shoes. Amen? Nothing huge about that. But what if, what if, what if the Lord tarries and 2,000 years from now, they're talking about the pair of shoes you gave? Well, what if, what if we, we go take care of our fire people and... 2,000 years from now, somebody talking about the chili that you made and took to the firehouse. In a good way. Not because it, not, not it was bad. And see, here's the thing. Sometimes we overlook. Sometimes, again, I think we objectify the Bible. And that was then, this is now, you don't understand, all this stuff going on. But since that time, there have been lots and lots of people who have come and gone. And because they did a little something... There was a huge difference. There, there was a guy, Martin Tanines. That ring a bell with anybody? I mean, I know you were thinking about him this morning. You'd probably recognize him by his more uh, European name, and that's St. Martin. Martin Tanines was a guy whose dad was a military person by trade. And so it was a necessity that at 15 years old, he would be conscripted into the Roman army. And so he did his duty. He went and joined the, joined the army, the Roman army, and in their conquest and everything that they were doing, winter came and there was a, a, a besiege of war and there was this one fellow that came up to him while he was on his horse and this guy, because of the ravages of war, was, was half naked. It was a blizzard, freezing temperatures. And he was half naked, and he was begging for food, begging for something. And Martim drew his sword. And everybody around him probably thought, he's fixing to kill this guy, put him out of his misery. He's freezing to death, might as well just make it quick. But instead, he took his sword to his heavy military cloak and cut it in half. And gave half of it to this poor beggar. Didn't think much more about it. Finished out his day. They made encampment that night. And that night he had a dream. And in that dream, Jesus was wearing the other half of his cloak. And telling the angels in heaven, this is Martim and he gave me what I needed. From that point on, this fella turned in all of his military gear. Tradition has it that he took it to the church and put it on the altar. Gave his career, everything that he was, everything that he had to the Lord. 
Hey, she's amening. You ought to be too. <laughs> she's amening better than y'all are. <laughs> and so he, he gave everything that he had to the Lord, gave his whole life to the Lord, and committed himself to be a patron to those who were underprivileged, those who were poor, those that were freezing to death, those that were hungry, those that were in need. And he was such a likable fellow that they decided, you know, this guy, and of course this is back in the middle centuries, and so, actually early middle centuries. And so, you know, this is a likable guy, he's wanting to help people, so we're going to make him a bishop. And he didn't want to be a bishop. Fact is, he, he, uh, he ran. And he, if you look this up, you can look it up for yourself, but St. Martin's symbol in the other branches in our family tree, they have symbols for some of the saints. St. Martin's symbol is a goose. And the reason it's a goose is because he, when they were about to uh, ordain him a bishop, he ran and he hid in the, in the building where they were housing the geese, and the geese were onk, 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 and gave him up. So he ended up being the bishop because <laughs> they found him because of the geese. So that's his symbol. And I'm like, boy, that's kind of digging, isn't it? But here's the thing, he didn't like city life, he didn't like living in a town. That's why if you ever see a church that's called St. Martin in the Fields, anybody ever seen those churches? Most of the time if you see a St. Martin's church, it's St. Martin in the Fields. That's because he gave up city life and went and lived out in the fields. And they made all the townsfolk come to them. If, he wanted, if they wanted something from the bishop, they had to go out into the fields. And so here's this guy that because he decided to give up half of his cloak and cover... Uh, a beggar. We talk about him still today. There's a, another person that in the, in the centuries has come along. And, and we could take all day. And I could even take time and talk about some people that are here that have done things for the Lord. But I don't want to embarrass anybody. I don't want to steal your blessing. So I'm talking about these other people. We've talked about the widow. We've talked about Tabitha. Bless her heart. Called Dorcas. And we've talked about... Martin. Another guy, some of you probably heard of this guy too. His name is Ignatius. And Ignatius was one of these, you know, sometimes we talk about having privilege these days, all the social justice stuff, people being raised in privilege. This guy, if there ever was a person that was raised in privilege, Ignatius was raised in privilege. Rich. Had everything he wanted. Well to do. Was a, quite the ladies' man. And like most people did in those days, he joined the military. Now, he was a womanizer. He was a a heavy drinker. He was all kinds of, I mean, just everything that we would symbolize is, hey, this guy's not headed in a good direction. And by his own account, I I wanted to read the quote of what he said of himself. As you can tell, I'm not going by my notes a whole bunch today, so let me, let me find that. Uh, this is how he described himself. He loved to dance, too, by the way. That plays into it later. Self-described as a man given over to the vanities of the world, a great and vain desire to win glory for himself. And so Ignatius went to war, and in that, one of the first battles that he ever encountered, he was shot with a cannonball. Now, this wasn't the cannonballs in the more, more modern times that exploded. It was just a big chunk of metal hurling your direction. And some accounts say that it hit him 
this way and went across both legs. The other accounts is that it went in between his knees. And in doing so, broke both his legs. And so, history has it, it was a compound fracture. At least one of the legs was a compound fracture. And rather than pull that bone back in and everything, they just sawed the end of it off and straightened his legs up. He was in a military hospital, and this is, again, middle century. So they weren't just, I mean, it wasn't like going to Houston. And so they set his legs, and, and again, remember, the, the attitude of this guy was vanity, vainglory. And he looked at his legs after they healed up, and he said, man, my legs are jacked up. And it's going to be hard to catch a girl and dance with her with these legs. So, the only alternative was to re-break his legs. In a day with no anesthesia, he had them re-broken and straightened not once but twice. And they, they said that he did so without even the cry of pain. Because he wanted his legs straight. Because, you know, that was back in the day when they wore the stockings and the short pants, breeches. Uh, which I call all pants in this day and time. Anybody calls them britches, raise your hand. Yeah, we're in good company. <laughs> so the, those were the real breeches and stockings. And so he said, my legs are jacked up. They got to be straightened up. So he uh, submitted himself to that pain and that, therefore, recovery, not once but twice. And it was during this second bout with straightening up his legs that he was he was kind of losing it because he had been laid up for so long. But he, he was thinking about the military conquest that he had been involved in. He had thought about his romantic conquest that he had had. And he says, just for a fleeting moment, it brought him joy. But that that soon faded. But whenever he would hear about somebody who had done great things for the Lord, or read a, if somebody would read him a story about somebody that had done great things for the Lord, that it brought him joy that seemed to last longer. He got saved, was baptized. But we'll get it, we could get in all that if you want to talk about that further. But he gave himself to the Lord. And he was another one that gave up his military conquests and submitted himself to the Lord. In fact, his, his whole thought was that in everything I do, I am going to try to find the greater good. It's kind of like I've told you before. Sometimes our choice as a believer is not the choice of good and evil. That's a pretty easy one. Sometimes our biggest struggle that we have is whether to go for the good or the gooder. Pardon my poor English. In this life, we actually suffer more from choosing between the good and the gooder than we do anything else. And that was his whole thought. There's a whole big thing with Ignatius, and you can read it yourself sometime. But what I'm telling you this morning is this. If the widow can give five minutes worth of her wages, or the average wage for her time, and if Tabitha can make a sweater or two, and... If Ignatius can decide, hey, I'm going to go for the greater good, and, and, and all, I mean, we could go on and on and on, on and on and on. And if Martin can give up half of his coat, then we have to realize that God looks at things differently than we do and different than this world does.
You may not be able to do everything, but you can do something. Amen? And so as a part of this, again, I'm not going to preach on this, but we're going to be talking about ways that you can get involved this year. We're going to be reminding you of things that are coming up. We're going to try to give you lots of notice. But here's the thing. You may not be able to do everything. You may not be called to do everything, but you can do something.